in three, two, one. Creative thinking is something many people struggle with. It's not taught in schools to the same degree as logical problem solving. And in this episode, we're going to learn how we can generate more creative thought, develop a culture of creative thinking within our organizations, and unlock unlimited streams of creativity for professional and business success. If you're looking to improve your creative thinking, you'll enjoy this conversation with creativity expert Alan Black, who will share some strategies and tactics to help you unlock your creative abilities. Join me now for my conversation with Alan Black. Well, hello, Alan, and welcome to the show, Becoming Preferred, the podcast. Glad to be with you, Michael. Now, Alan, in looking at your bio, you've been at this a long time, and you've done a lot of creating and a lot of content and have a lot of uh, your material that's in corporate America and actually around the world. I know you've traveled to dozens and dozens of countries. I know that's a, a pastime of yours and have taught. And you've had many careers in your professional career. You've been an architect, a freelance writer, a cartoonist, a college professor, and, and a popular speaker in training advocating creative thinking in your programs, in your workshops. And the reason we wanted to have you here today, and we really appreciate you taking some of your busy time to share with our audience, is the last two years, as you know, with the pandemic has really radically shifted the work and home landscape as millions of people have switched career paths or they've even said goodbye to their office forever and things are changing. And Creativity, we believe, has an essential part of that. That's a, a way we can kind of get through these things. And when you talk about creativity, the topics of business and creativity typically don't come up in the same conversation. Most people believe that business is all about making money, while creativity is about art and imagination. So how do these two rather different ideas relate to each other? They relate to each other because they need each other. You can be the most creative artist, but if you don't have any business sense or have someone who can do the business part, you'll just be another artist, starving artist, the image of Van Gogh and so many others. But businesses have to be constantly creating to some degree. Mm -hmm. Trouble is my issue now in the last 10 years is technology has forced people to constantly change. And what they're getting is not necessarily that much better it's just costing them more money. Where does innovation fall into it? Because we've got creativity and we've got innovation. And prior to COVID, we would talk about trends that were happening 10 years from now and what we should expect a decade from now. And it seems like COVID has accelerated that. It seems like companies have really accelerated their innovative processes and are really putting an emphasis and a focus on creativity. As a matter of fact, according to the Future of Jobs report with the World Economic Forum, Back in 2015, creativity was number 10. You had complex problem solving, number one. Critical thinking was number four. You know, quality control, number six. And today's world, the top three are problem solving, critical thinking, and creativity. So companies are starting to even value that more. And I know you've been preaching that for decades and what people can do. As entrepreneurs or business professionals, everyone has a different definition of creativity. And I think defining it is a bit of a challenge. And you have a process for defining that with a framework. And I believe one of the frameworks you follow or have modified and developed over the years came from James Melvin Rhodes with the four P's of creativity. Can you chat about those a little bit and maybe how you modify those and how they relate to today? Okay. That's one I'm familiar with. Actually, I stretch it to six P's 
and then modified one. He called it press, as we've talked about a little bit, is that the environment makes a difference. Does it make a difference to all people? No, it doesn't. Some people are highly creative in a block wall building. Others have to have color. When you go into an ad agency, more often than not, you will see the walls covered with so many photos and props on the shelves. But you go into a mechanical engineering office, you won't see that. You'll see now the ICAD-type systems, not drawing boards. But the environment does make a difference, and that's one of the things that we need to help. But some people find that the cubicles that we went to back in the 60s and right. 70s, those were done in Germany by architects and engineers. The architectural firms I worked with all had cubicles of one type or another because we needed the vertical surface to put our drawings on so we could see four different plans at the same time. In the case of now, the articles I see occasionally are condemning cubicles as being detrimental. But as you mentioned with COVID, what if everyone's at home? You're starting to see in offices and have for the last five to 10 years, foosball tables, ping pong tables, TV sets, gaming, the Googles, the apples of the world. They have all these recreational uh, activities that people can actually do at work. So are there things that business people can do at home in order to create an environment or place? So using one of those elements, because I know we got press or place, then we can talk about process, product, and person on how that might fit in as well. Are there some simple things you can do to create a more creative environment for yourself? Well, first of all, where are you going to work at home? Are you going to work in a single room? Right. In my case, in my house, my wife passed away several years ago, so I've lived alone for quite a long time. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. But I have eight different environments I can work in. And some days I want a studio. Some days I just want a comfortable room. Right. Other days I want something so I can see the outside. Fortunately, I live in a house that's almost like a treehouse with lots of windows. So I can watch the squirrel that's running over my deck right now type of thing. That helps me. Other people, it's sound. They need music of some kind. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. We have the radio going constantly or Spotify or whatever music service we're listening to. And it's just in the background and it's soothing. It's comic goes on first thing and it's the last thing that goes off. So music uh, and, well, and sound. Okay. That's interesting. One challenge for me is I watched MTV years ago when it was <laughs> relatively new right. and it was a, an hour long show about the eighties. And except for people that were around in the 60s and 70s still doing music in the 80s, I didn't recognize anything. And I started to wonder, did I ever turn my radio on in the 80s? And now, well, for example, in the 50s, we had the top 10. Right. We had bandstand and so forth. Dick Clark. Well, now we have the top 5,000 or we have 5,000 top 10s because there's so many different kinds of music. Back to the word creativity, as I was mentioning briefly, I prefer the term creative thinking because I can use a working de definition, may not be totally matching anyone else's, but it will be close. And that is the generation of new ideas or new combinations of old ideas. Whereas creativity, you can fill bookshelves full of books about definitions. About 15 to 20 years ago, the term innovation became a hot term mm -hmm. because business people tended to be afraid of the word creativity. Because creativity meant, I'm, well, I'm not sure, never tried it before. It means I have to change. But now 
change is happening daily. Right. Corporations are coming out with new versions of their products because they can almost instantly. Well, it seems like the adage is eat your own lunch before the competition does. And what's hot today becomes... Or the old quote, it may have been from Shakespeare's day, actually. I finally learned my lines, but they changed the play. (laughs) Well, things are just moving. And one company comes out with a new innovation or a new product and the copycats start coming out or they start to leapfrog. And that spawns a new idea and a new process. And it just keeps getting better. And what's interesting about the innovation and creativity, you know, you're talking about environment and creating environment. I always use lines of sight. So everywhere I look, it has to look appealing to me. And I have different rooms and different places that I like to work on. Sometimes I like to show up at a Starbucks with my headphones and my laptop and do writing. And it's a very productive day. I can do some writing with things going on. Other times I find that annoying and I want to be quiet and solitude and and focused. Um, You and I have that very much in common. I remember when I was studying my architectural degree, there were some days I wanted to be in the library where you could hear the ants walk across the carpet. (laughs) Other days I was in the cafeteria and it was more productive because of the noise behind me. Exactly. I didn't know what was being said or what was being played on the radio. But it was there. It was noise. And once I've discovered talking to artists and architects, engineers, business people throughout the last 40 years, you need to find what environment works for you. If you're like the two of us, it may be variable. Absolutely. It may change from day to day. And it may be mood swings. Why don't I touch back on the word innovation? How I define it separately. Once again, a working definition is taking what exists and making it better. Right. Doesn't have to be necessarily new, but better. And you see that constantly in business. You're always improving it to make it better. COVID vaccine alone, all the various companies in the last two years who have raced at record speeds to produce vaccines that have been available for hundreds of millions, if not billions of people all in a year. Right. I know. It's amazing to see how fast the developments are. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring ActiveCampaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the ActiveCampaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Alan Black. Do you see things moving from complexity to simplicity? Innovation to me is when something becomes simpler, maybe a complex idea, and then all of a sudden it's easier and easier and easier to use. There's the example. Like creativity may generate the ideas, but those are not necessarily the solutions. Right. Innovation aims for solution. This is the way we're going to do it. Right. Uh, I get someone, I think of an example of Walt Disney. He only was going to be alive for a couple more years. They were working on uh, Disney World. And all their research, one of the things they overlooked or didn't think was a major problem was the fact it rains a lot more 
in Orlando than it does in Anaheim. But it became an issue. So what are we going to do? We can't just keep closing the park every time it rains. Right. There was supposedly a, an idea wall in the hallway where any employee could put up an idea. It's a technique that supposedly accepted. And many companies try that, and it works. The idea box. You don't have sure. to be the solution person, but you might have the idea or the way of seeing it that no one else has thought of. Well, a card appeared on the wall. It said, hold a rain parade. Didn't mm-hmm. sign it. So they had no idea where the idea was coming from. Right. But they, Roy Disney, so the story goes, had his people work on that idea. What might a rain parade be? And it ended up with what primarily they do. They have large areas of roof structures. Right. So that if it rains during a parade, people can step back under cover. The people in the parade are waterproofed. They're protected against electronic shock. And if lightning does happen, which occasionally does, they stop the parade. Just a practical point of view. It is that you're always looking at what exists. What can we do better? And Disney is one of the masters of that, along with you know, Facebook and so many others. They keep looking at what exists. What can we do better? What can we do to improve it? Is it our assumptions that get us into trouble, Alan? For instance, if we're going to go build a car and we're going to start scratch, we would look at a car and we'd say, okay, well, it has to have four wheels. It has to have a steering wheel. It has to have a door. It has to have locks. It has to have a braking system. It has to have all these have-to-haves before we even get started started out of the block, where if we're looking at something from an innovative point of view, is there another way of looking at it? What can people do to look at, say, their processes, which is another element of James Rhodes' piece of creativity, and the process or their product, which would be their end result of that? Is there something we can do in our processes to innovate our processes? So just when we think we've got it figured out, well, you know, keep innovating that? question, do I need it? What happens with this Ukrainian war, in my mind, not conflict or invasion. It's a war right now. Mm -hmm. If Russia, we no longer bought oil from them, what might we do? A few years ago, when Suez Canal was blocked. Right. All those ships. And our gas went from 30 cents to $5 a gallon. And we stood in lines for hours to buy five gallons or $5 worth when it was lower is you learn how to adapt, to adjust. And so one of my premises for some people, they only become creative when all hell breaks loose. (laughs) Or out of necessity. Let's technically create hell. Right. Oh. And say what we're going to do about it. Yeah, that's interesting. If my house is on fire, what am I going to do about it? People right now who are unemployed, we're talking the estimates that are shared by the government, and I'm not blaming the government, but whoever does the stats on unemployment, right? suppose the unemployment's below 4%. Why is it that every store, every office, every company I see has a sign, help wanted? Help wanted, right. I was told by an HR person years ago, after I'd gotten going and speaking for a while, said that when unemployment drops below 6%, turnover skyrockets. Imagine what it's like now with unemployment at 2 to 3%. I just heard a report yesterday locally with our government. Right. Our account, we have a city county joint government. Mm-hmm. They're having turnover of 20 to 30%. They are understaffed. They can't find people, but we have many people who are unemployed currently. I know it's. But they a, don't make it in the record somehow. 
Well, that one I still don't understand. Yeah, it's, I don't understand either. No, I was born in the 60s, and as a baby boomer, we would have maybe four or five careers, maybe six or seven in our lifetime, max, maybe. And it seems like today, the millennials, the Gen Xers, Gen Ys, I've saw stats that said they could have 14 to 15 different careers. So they're not stuck. So Careers it, disappear. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's right. The kids being born today are going to work in jobs that the technologies haven't even been invented for. Well, one, we, I'm trying to think of his name. Burroughs is his last name. I'm not pulling out his front name. Dan Burroughs. Oh, the futurist. He's a high school teacher. He's a well-known speaker, futurist. Futurist, right. Exactly. And when he liked, still liked working with young people, though his main source of income was from corporations and large right. organizations. But when he worked with the youth, they'd ask him, what should I study? What should I study? Well, being a futurist, he said, first of all, what do you enjoy? What, what is really fun? Do what you love. Go sign up for a liberal arts degree and experiment. Take classes in many things and learn things. Right. But then take a master's degree in business because by the time you're done, there will be several new professions and occupations that don't exist right. now. Right. How do you prepare the kids for 2040? Well, it's interesting you say that. One of the tools that I've always used, and I've always considered myself to be creative, you know, the feedback I get from my clients or working in an audience as a speaker is, you know, where do you come up with these ideas? And I have to say it's reading, but we all have the ability to be creative. But I use what I call a stimulus response process. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I'm reading something, I'm reading it. It's like if I'm watching you speak on stage or I'm reading your books or I'm attending a program, I'm listening for what that stimulates in my own mind. I might take that idea and then another idea and all of a sudden put two of them together and there's a whole new idea or a new concept because there doesn't seem to be anything too new under the sun, but we just see new developments or okay. innovations That's of it. That comment comes up. There's nothing new under the sun. I always find that interesting. Where was the silicone chip a thousand years ago? <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, you win. Moses, Moses yeah. may have left a couple tablets behind on right. the mountain because they were too heavy to carry. But the silicone chip diagram was not on the back of one of his stone tablets. There are new ideas. Right. Are there more new ideas than existing ideas that are not used? That's a debatable issue. Sure. What I want people is to say one and one does not only equal two. Right. And yeah. if you teach me Roman numerals, one and one can equal several things. The question, I want to finish that one. It's the problem, the question. If the question is, what is the total quantity of the sum one added to the sum one that has one answer? Two. But one and one, one and one what? Right. Could be one male fly and one female fly. Two bunnies. If you wait right. long enough, you'll have thousands. <laughs> right, yeah, it exactly. It could be one drop of yellow paint and one drop of blue paint. Well, it's what a, do you have? It's a good Green. point. My wife and I are one and one, and we have seven children and three and a half grandchildren. So, yeah. Yeah, so, well, we'll your one and one has produced quite a few. Yes. But I always have fun with children. I ask them about it. And one of the, I told this story many times around the world. But I remember telling it in Malaysia one time to a bunch of college students. I said, little girl, she's sitting in her classroom. She's five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And the teacher says, what's one and one? Well, she is a little girl in a pretty little school dress, wants to be right. She wants the teacher to be proud of her. And she's sitting there going, one, well, you can't see it, but just I'm holding up one finger in one hand and one in the other. Right. Then she brings the two fingers together. And next thing you know, she puts up another finger, then another one, then another one. 
And when the teacher says, Susie, what's one and one? Five. Mm. And the teacher will immediately say, no, the answer is two. Right. She will never ask, what were you just doing? Whereas my mommy and my daddy, yeah. one and one. I don't know what happened when she brings the fingers together representing they had sexual relationship. Right. All of a sudden there's me and then my two brothers. So I guess one and one equals five. It's the perspective is the other issue, which is another way to get quickly creative. Just take a different perspective. There's one of the tools, many different versions, but I call it alphabetizing, taking the word alphabet and turning it into a verb or an action word. I ask audiences to create a list A to Z or whatever their alphabet is around the world. I'm working through a translator. And I said, write an profession or occupation or job mm -hmm. for each of the letters mm -hmm. now what is your problem what do you think your problem is well we need to do x okay how would an architect do it how would a baker do it how might a candy stick maker do it how might a zookeeper make it and so forth and i've had the most resistant highly rational there's only one way to do everything kind of thinker right generate ideas that way because you're looking at it from a different perspective it has to do with left brain right brain i'm a left brainer and you hear people identify themselves i'm a left brainer i'm a right brainer and creatively they're stymied or they don't feel creative because i'm an engineer and we don't do that and you maintain and say that everyone can be creative everyone's born creative it's just the systems the habits your thoughts your characteristics how you nurture that uh creativity well, or innovation my my premise is that, like Paul Torrance, who was my major professor, my greatest teacher, and the greatest gift he ever gave me was his personal friendship, and he saw me as a peer eventually, is that we're all born capable of thinking creatively. What that means varies from culture, from time, from age, from field. What an engineer calls creative is not necessarily what an architect would call creative or what a candy maker would. But the issue is, we could do it, but then we go to school. Torrance did extensive study. He was not one to study a thousand people. He'd do a thousand studies of a thousand people. And then he would say, the in research indicates, it doesn't tell me emphatically. Nothing has truly been proven by research. It's just showing strong possibility. Right. Even with the COVID, not every human being reacts the same way. Not all races receive the medicine the same way, the little bit I know about that. But what happens is he did this extensive study just when I started in 79, what ended up being called the fourth grade slump. By the fourth grade, the right. same children he measured in kindergarten in the first grade, their scores on creative thinking dropped considerably. Why? It wasn't supported. It wasn't asked for. Only the extremely creative kids got A's and B's. The moderately, they gave up. They got bored because the teacher didn't want to accept that one and one can equal a level. Yeah, is that a process? Is that a problem with our education system in your mind? Because it, when you look at little children, I look at the grandkids and I watch what they're doing and how they play with certain objects. I've got one grandson who can play with a box. He'll take the, whatever's in the box and he likes the right. box better than the... Some kids, the boxes are more fun than the toy inside of it. Yeah, Thinking, exactly. You talked about left brain, right brain. I talk about four basic types, primarily based on the concepts of left and right, rational versus intuitive or whatever right. terms you want to use. Right. 
A highly rational person thinks for themselves. You can watch a child in a playpen and know that they're highly rational because they play with only one toy. And chances are they'll take the toy apart and put it back together better. <laughs> and you have the intuitive, yeah. as you're familiar with my mind design. The intuitive is they make something out of it. Right. We intuitive type people, when we buy that dollhouse for our daughter or granddaughter, we always end up with extra pieces. Right. There were no extra pieces in the box, but we made it. Well, when in my case for my daughter, I used the scrap pieces to make fences and stairs and chairs and so forth. But then you have the people who like to be creative with others. Everything is emotional. Everything is a, a play. They're the type of people who love to be in workshops where people get to do hands-on things. But then you have the type for which there's only one answer all the time. They are the frustrated ones. But they can learn through systematic tools, you made reference to my stamps system, right? where they can systematically generate new ideas without breaking the rules. Yeah, you call that in your mind acronym, just in your formula for that. I think you got M is for meditative. Right. Then you've got your intuitive. They you know, explore what can be done. Then you use a term, which I think you invented the word, negotiative. Uh, I figured if it worked for Buckminster Fuller, it can work for me. But <laughs> I still think there's a dictionary somewhere with that word. I, I think you should own but, it. Exactly. Right. The, the last one I use is directive. Director, right. What I meant was a lower D directive is someone who is directed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Directed with a capital D is the one who directs you. And I give you an example real quickly of two famous people, Walt Disney and Steve Jobs. They were both intuitive and directive. So you can have a blended you can have a blended day, style, yeah. They go back and forth or blended. And it's like one of the books I've never found the book, but may have been in my imagination or a dream one time that I read a book about Walt written by one of his animators that was titled, I hated Walt so much I worked for him for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Where else could you do what right. they did at Disney Studio? Where else could you do what they did at Pixar or Jim Henson's right. or Zaxby's and some right. of the others? That's a local chicken chain. If you're willing, or Southwest Airlines that became famous under Herb Kellerman, Sure. Who supported the idea? I want you to think. I don't want you just to do. Right. And I think that's always going to be the challenge. Let me ask you this question, because this comes up and I was reading an interesting article that certain substances, legal and otherwise, can put you into a creative environment. I was reading an article about a lot of musicians, Beatles. They would smoke herbal products and would get them into right brain. A lot of songs, a lot of modern songs and things which people enjoy today were written under the influence where people were on... Uh, well, many artists have used excessive coffee. They've used wine. various drugs over the years, yep. drinking alcohol, and so forth. But I remember one study that was done about the use of LSD with architect. And what they found out was they just got weird solutions. <laughs> they didn't necessarily improve that architect's right, ability. Right, right. But to get back to the substance, a man named Stanley Krippner, who I met a few times, actually wrote a letter to support my being accepted as a student here before we met. We wrote back and forth for a while. He was studying external 
influences on creative thinking. And some, it's sound. Some, it's taste. Some, it's textures. Smell. Sure. Smell. All the normal All the senses. senses. Mm-hmm. But then he said, we also have the altered senses or the altered states of consciousness. That's interesting. The two most productive that he found, and this was many years ago, was just as we're falling asleep or just as we're waking up. And one of the classic stories about supporting that was Tom Edison. Tom Edison had a little closet type room in the studio at Menlo Park in which he would go in and sit and sleep because he was napping, had perhaps a sleep problem, or, you know, whatever it was. But he, it was sloped. The seat was sloped, and he would hold a glass partly filled with water. And then he'd fall asleep. But when he fell completely asleep, of course, he would lose control of the glass. Right. It would fall, break, and wake him up. And more often than not, ideas that really helped him were the ones that came when he woke up. Well, it's interesting you say that in the middle of the night, it seems like 2.30, 3 o'clock, you know, if, I, if I'm up or I'm thinking about a problem, a lot of my solutions come at the wee hours of the morning. And I used to be frustrated by it because I'm not sleeping well. Now I welcome it and thank my brain. It's, it's like it's noodling it in the background. In 78, when I went to the first creative thinking conference, I didn't know these existed in 76. Right. But Bob Everly, who created Scamper, said, you've got to go to Sipsy. And I became part of it ever since one way or another. But one of the lessons that they were stressing was always write the idea down. Carry a notebook, carry a phone, an audio player, whatever. One of my friends in South Africa I've traveled with many times, he writes on his hands and his arms. Keep track, keep an inventory, because you never know when that's going to come out. people say, oh, I'll remember it. No, you won't. No, you won't. It slips. Turn the light on, write it down as best you can, then go back to sleep or do whatever you need to go back to sleep. Yeah, exactly. I I rarely sleep through. I haven't for decades, but uh, I nap a lot. Unless I'm out doing something. But I carry something sure. to write with all the time. Or the old shadow in the showers. They used to right. they sold them in the eighties. Little notepads that were waterproof pens. Write them down wherever you are. Was- Some people find that weird, but the idea of never letting an idea disappear because what it means to you later when you wake up may be totally different than it what it means to you when you're sure. groggy. Well, that's my point with certain substances. I find with a glass of wine or two, you know, my creative juice is going. I can do some good writing. I feel good. I don't really worry about writer's block. I just start writing. And I'm looking for the stimulus. And then what's the response? And what's it making me think of when I watch something, see something? It might be a movie or whatever. So the more we can create stimulus. So in just wrapping up, just for our our time today, Alan, you've mentioned that everybody can be creative. It really is about making the choice to be creative. We need to look at stimulus and to find the right responses. We should challenge our assumptions. And on your website, which we'll put on the show notes, you're very generous on your website. You've got lots of tips on what you can do to start your creativity. So we'll put those in the show notes at uh, becomingpreferred.com. 
uh, podcast.com and people will be able to uh, find out more about you and more about your programs and as well as go through some of your acronyms and some of the tools that you give people to work with. I know for me personally, creativity has made a huge difference. It does bring you peace of mind. There's lots that comes from that. It keeps you motivated. It helps you with your problem solving. It makes you more productive for sure. I think it enhances confidence, clarifies your thoughts, your feelings, gives you a chance to be reflective, lets you express yourself, whatever form you're going to choose. And it brings people together and uh, it's got some stress relieving qualities to it. And I even saw one study that says you can live longer if you practice and work on creativity. So Scientific American had a whole article on people who are using their brains and to, to be more creative in their processes. So you're saying examine everything, work on setting time aside to be creative, create environments, places, work on your continuous improvement or continuous um, innovation. Two, two basic things that you can take away. Yep. Is in what ways might I is one they've been teaching in Buffalo at the Creative Problem Solving Institute right. that Alex Osborne created, is ask that question often. What else might I, and then I say else, and use the six letters that say uh, journalism, who, what, when, where, why, how, else. What else? Always yeah. come up yeah. with 12 or more before you do anything. Excellent. Good advice. Don't throw any idea away. Because you may be a 10 years ahead. It may not be the right time. If Steve Jobs tried to push Apple in the 1960s, right. we would have never heard of him. No. That's interesting. Yeah, no, keep an inventory. They're assets. And I think you call them assets too. Um, well, this has been really, really informative. And I really would encourage listeners to go to your website, Alan. So it's Alan Black. We'll put uh, your website and information up on the show notes. And we've been talking creative well, thinking and creativity. The quickest creativity. way they can find things by me mm -hmm. is my full name. I'm a three-namer, but I go by my middle name. I've not been successful becoming a one-namer like Elvis and Madonna. Sure. Famous or infamous. Robert Allen. Robert Allen, A-L-A-N. Type that in any search nation, and now you will get hundreds of millions, if not billions. Now, are they me? No. <laughs> Thousands of them are. Yeah. Type that my name in, and articles or exercises or creativity, any topic like that, and then reach out. I respond to anyone who writes to me. Yeah, you've been very generous and you've got a good career. That's it for us for today. But uh, thank you, Alan, for making time for us. All right. Thank you for having me. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Bess Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. Goodbye.